0: Hello, and welcome to the Shalom Rosenfeld Podcast. My name is Shalom Rosenfeld, and this is my podcast. I know that Shmuel Tenenhouse had a podcast before, but he hasn't made a podcast in two weeks, and so too bad for him. We had to hijack his podcast and take over. I am so happy to be here. Besides, I never really liked any of Shmuel Tenenhouse's podcasts anyways. So... I know that we started off this podcast with Celine Dion, and it is Sphera, but it was a very difficult week for me and potentially for some of you as well, and so I figure let's just throw in a little bit Celine Dion and make everybody feel just a little bit better because her, her voice is, is just beautiful. So there's many topics for us to cover today. First of all, with the... Uh all this supply chain and shortages and things like that, I wanted to propose that we now extend the five-second rule. So normally, the rule of thumb is if something falls on the floor, food, you have a five-second rule. Uh, just based on what everything's going on and, again, all the shortages that we're seeing, I would say that we bump that now up to 45 seconds. And if you're on the West Coast, I would say a minute because when I lived on the West Coast, I was doing more hiking, and I was outdoors, and I was much friendlier with the earth. So what I'm saying is five-second rule, now 45 seconds, and then 60 seconds on the West Coast. So I want to talk to you about a dilemma that my friend had. He had lost something in his house, and uh, the issue was that he wanted to put some money into... A Reb Mayor Balanes Pushka, but uh, he had also lost his Reb Mayor Balanes Pushka. So he lost two things, but now he, he doesn't have a Pushka to put it in and find it. And uh, which makes you think that what people should potentially do is either have another Pushka that you can put something in, which is a skillet to find your Reb Mayor Balanes Pushka if you lost it, or to have a spare Reb Mayor Balanes Pushka in your safe. So when you lose your main, Reb Meir Pushka, you will have your backup to find it. Alakad de Meir Aneni. Okay. The next thing we're going to go into, oh, it also mentioned to me, uh, so it also reminded me when Apple came out with AirTags, I was like looking at that and go like, your AirTags, you, you think we need your Air Tags to figure out where we, we left things? We have a Reb Meir Pushka, dude. And it's way cheaper than your tags. They don't have to be charged and there's no privacy being collected. So we, we are a step ahead of everybody else. I wanted to share an anecdote from my youth. People want to know, hey, are, you're twisted now as an adult and your mind is kind of warped. Is this a rather new phenomenon or has this uh, been present since childhood? So let me share the story. When I was in pre-1A, I thought it would be hilarious to come to school with an Avera note as opposed to a mitzvah note. So what I did was I asked my father to send me to school with an Avera note and he absolutely refused until I, drive, I drove him so crazy that he relented as any good father would and he wrote me an Avera note. And I took that to school and I gave it to my teacher and the teacher did not appreciate the humor. And I recall the teacher sending me to the corner because that was something that they used to do in the 80s. They used to have the corner. So I was in the corner for hours. And to this day, I remember thinking to myself, these people have no, no sense of humor. They're, they're not in on the joke. They think that my father was serious about this, but that's what happens. You get an Avera note and that's what you risk happening to yourself. So parents, if you do send and a Avera note for your kids, and it's sent in jest. I would advise you to message the teacher on WhatsApp or Telegram and just say, hey, my kid is a little cuckoo and wanted the Avera note. It's all done with great humor. Now, Shavuos is coming up next week, and I have some friends who are traveling out of the country. I'm not even talking about cross country, they are traveling out of the country for Shavuos. Here's a recommendation if you have any friends who are traveling for Shavuos. Ask them for a loan, an interest-free loan. And then take your time paying them back. Why? Because you can. And you can tell them, hey, listen, I know you lent me money, and you're saying you need it back, but you don't, you don't need the money right now. You're going to Morocco for Shavuos. You're, you have a ton of cash. And no matter what you tell me, I, you know... You're flush with cash because who flies to a different country for cheesecake? Nobody does that except if you have a lot of cash. Now, I'm not advising you not to pay back. Obviously, you have to pay back. What I'm just saying is, great opportunity to score an interest free loan and not have to be worried about paying it back too quickly. So, the wife and I were watching a Netflix documentary. I don't recall the name. And even if I did recall the name, I would not share it with you because it was an awful documentary, like so many other awful things on netflix not for political reasons just i just thought it was just not good content it was about a doctor who was a fertility doctor and he ended up injecting his own sperm into tons of women not tons but dozens and dozens and dozens i kept dozing off and each time i would wake up it was like you know they discovered child 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and what i keep reminding myself, or it it, it jogs my memory that Netflix content, particularly on the movies, remind me of that dumpster of movies or DVDs that you can buy in Walmart for like $3. It looks like Netflix just licensed that whole bin of terrible movies and, you know, put it on there for our viewing, which is why whenever my wife and I want to relax, and watch an actual entertaining movie, we end up renting something from Amazon, which is crazy because Amazon also has a bunch of free content, which is not that good. So I don't understand why, if I have all this great content, do I still need to be renting movies from Amazon. Not just that, we spend probably $1,000 a month on Amazon. So Amazon really is our biggest drug dealer because We get things instantly, and it raises our dopamine. And you would think any good crack dealer or dope dealer, every once in a while, they should just throw you a bone, like a free pipe or a lighter. And I would think that Amazon ought to do the same thing, just give you a couple of free movies every once in a while. But no, that's just another thing that they can monetize us off. So we we must talk about the baby formula shortage because it's a shortage. And because it's baby formula. A few things to say about this. If you're a f- room person and you're, ho- you're hoarding baby formula, and you're just waiting to put it on your Amazon account to sell it, we will find you and we will take all your baby formula away. Now is not the time to be, ho- to be uh, hoarding all this. You guys know who you are. Give it out to your neighbors and stop trying to profit from such a situation. The second thing, I've talked in the past a little bit about Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. I don't understand the executive order he just issued. To combat this baby formula shortage, he has now prohibited any woman from doing breast reduction surgery. And I'm frankly offended by it. I also don't see the connection, not every woman is producing milk, women should be in charge about the decisions they make about their body, not politicians. I've talked about Ron DeSantis a couple of times. Some people are curious why I never joke about the president. Like, why do I not take bipartisan shots? Why is it always jokes about Ron DeSantis? So the answer is, I really have nothing negative to say about President Elon Musk. I find he's a good president. He he gives us electric cars. He's got Starlink satellites that are helping Ukraine in the war. He's got SpaceX. And the fact that he won an election, sorry, the fact that he became president without even having an election, and he started that third-party thing that he has going on, it's good. And so uh, that is why I have not mentioned anything negative about uh, President Musk. The other thing is, is that it, I know you think it's cool to refer to him as Elon. He's not your friend. You don't know him. Don't say Elon. There could be so many Elons. Elon Schwartz, Elon Goldman, Elon Weiss, Weissfish. But we don't know which Elon you're talking about. So just don't drop Elon casually in conversation. It's either President Musk to you or Elon Musk or President Elon Musk. But yeah, just don't say, yeah, Elon said this and Elon said that. You don't have the right to do that. Another thing which is becoming very difficult for me is when other people are driving and everybody is on their cell phone while they're driving. The reason why that's very difficult for me is because I'm also on my cell phone and I thought that everybody else was being vigilant about their driving. And now I look up for my cell phone and I see everybody else is on their cell phone. Well, that means that none of us are paying attention to the road and that is not a good thing. Now, why should I be on my cell phone and you not on my cell phone? Because I have actually important things to do while I drive. I'm not sure what you're doing. so. I am, you know, at the light, I need to refresh uh, my newyorkpost.com homepage because could be there's a new Kardashian story that I didn't see that got updated in the last 60 seconds from the light that I was a couple of blocks before. I'm going to miss that now, you know, there are things worth jeopardizing your life for. But you on the other hand, what are you doing? Another thing, I have to right away check my email and respond to some of the spam messages that are coming in because again, something very crucial to do while I'm driving. It's interesting that the horn in the car, your car horn, pretty much, if I had to define it right now, I would say the new definition of a car, a car horn is something to alert the driver in front of you who's checking his phone that the light has changed. Like, hey man, it's green now, you can go. That, I doubt that was the intent when the car horn was invented, but you know that's what it's been used for today. Also very helpful to have my kids with me in the car because whenever this happens, they're like, ta, ta, you can go, ta, you can go. So great to, great to take the kids in the car and be on the phone with them because they are looking out for us. Talk a little bit about tech p- pivots. Everybody is very nervous about inflation and the recession. And uh, there's an inflationary recession, a recessionary inflation. And it's it's crazy all these things happening at the same time. I do admire the tech companies who are you know, operating and reacting very quickly to this new environment that we find ourselves in. So for example, Uber now launched, uh, they announced in the press release, that their new product is called uh, Uber Breadline. And that that is, you can order an Uber and that'll take you directly to the breadline so you can be online early to get your bread. Then you have also DoorDash uh, has a feature right now called DoorDash Soup Kitchen where they'll deliver food from you, not from a restaurant, but from your favorite soup kitchen because you don't want to schlep all the way out there. Gasoline is expensive. But you can do it together with a lift. And now I want to do an ad ad read. It's been a while since we manifested ads on this podcast. And that's probably why we don't have any real advertisers just yet. Here goes. Are you a compulsive gambler? Don't worry. We all have our vices. Do you enjoy and relish financial insecurity? Are you the type of person to go full tilt into something when it's reckless? Are you looking to make easy money regardless of the impossibility? Folks, let me tell you about Robinhood. You don't need to know anything about investing. In fact, the less you know, the better it is for Robinhood and us. You can gamble, sorry, you can invest in any sock that you want. We at Robinhood mint money on each transaction, so please trade frivol- frivolously. In fact, for Shmuel Tenanels podcast listeners or Shalom Rosenfeld podcast listeners, we have a special offer just to get you hooked line and sinker. When you install the app, enter the Shmuel Tenenels podcast, and we will put an extra $20 worth of chips into your account. So... We can get you addicted right away. Robin Hood, turning novice novice traders into poppers, one trade at a time. Okay, next. I want to talk to you and explain to you why I don't like going out to eat to restaurants. The first thing is they cost money. And the nice of the restaurant, when you say the word ambiance, that tells me, I think, Overhead. And overhead will trickle down onto my bill. Another reason why I don't enjoy going to restaurants is because they charge a service fee on your meal. But then they ask you to put a tip on your service fee. So you have an 18% service fee. And then you're confronted one-on-one with the server that says, okay, you paid 18%. Now, what's the tip that you're leaving on the service fee? And if you're a really good person, you have to leave a tip on the tip on the service fee. So now you triple-tipped, and you just spent more money on your server than you did on your home meal. That's an uncomfortable situation for me. That's not the, the complete reason why I don't eat out at restaurants. I don't eat out at restaurants because I find it the highest expression and flaunting of privilege I'm in my house, I can go to my pantry, I can open something up, open up a thing of crackers, get some cheese from the fridge, make a little sandwich, have a bunch of crumbs following me around the house so everybody knows what I just snacked on. But some people think, no, that's not good enough for me, I can't get something from my own pantry. I need to drive to North Miami or Miami Beach, and I want illegal immigrants in kitchens that are sweltering hot to prepare food for me. And then when the food comes out, I want to be able to taste a little bit, send, them, send the food right back into the kitchen, and have somebody translate to the poor chef who's making $14 an hour that the food is not good enough. And then there are busboys. None of these people are legal immigrants. And you got somebody cooking for you, you got people serving for you, and you're cleaning the table, and if you're going to say, like, wait, wait, we're paying them, you're paying them minimum wage. Going out to eat is a matter of privilege, and I just feel very uncomfortable taking advantage of people who are less fortunate than I. So that's why I stay home, I see what's in the cabinets, I see what is in the fridge, and I make do with that. Then I'll talk about a marriage tip. This is for men. Yes, I'm stereotyping. This is not something that they taught you in Hosen Kala classes, so I have to uh, speak straight to you. First thing, let's start with the basics. After this podcast is done, I want you to apologize to your wife. Why? What do you mean, why? If you don't know why you have to apologize, then you have to apologize a second time. So let's start with apologizing for the wrongs that you've done today. The second, of, the second thing, and that's just, that's just the covering the basics because you know you're in the wrong somehow. I don't even know what, what, what it is that you, you've done, but it's possible your breathing today could be offending your spouse. And for that, you have to be aware of it and apologize. The next thing what you really need to know is when your wife is talking to you, You cannot be quiet and just listen to what she has to say. You have to say something while she's talking to her. Grunting does not count. Neither does nodding your head. You have to be actively responding to the words that your wife is telling you. Obviously, you need to be contrite and remorseful. But you need to listen and you need to respond so she knows that she's not talking to a clump of clay. The other week, I was somewhere for Shabbos, and I saw a wife talking to her husband, and he was sitting there hunched over his chayeno, eating watermelon, and the juice was flying everywhere, and his wife is trying to talk to him, and he's just nodding his head, just making sure that no watermelon juice spills in his chayeno but he's not saying a word back to her. Again, if, you're, if your wife is talking to you and telling you what, what wrongs you've done, you need, to, you, need to respo- you need to respond. Otherwise, there's no way that she's going to know that you're talking to her. Is that clear? Don't just nod your head there. This is Shmuel Tenenalus from the Shmuel Tenenalus podcast pretending to be Shalom Rosenfeld of the Sholem Rosenfeld podcast. I'm talking to you too. Say yes, Shmuel. I understand what you're saying. Another thing to do is you ask questions. Asking questions is another form to demonstrate to your spouse that you are listening intently to the criticism that she's giving you. So, for example, here are some questions to say. From a scale of one to a million, how angry are you at me right now? That is a good question. You're using data, you're gathering information, and this is a conversation, not just someone berating you for all the things that you didn't do or that you did do. Okay, want to share a definition of conscientious parenting and... I don't want to be arrogant or haughty, but I'm going to give you an example for myself. There was a night I was indulging in a little bit of cannabis outside of my house. And it's a recession, so it was a small, a rather small J, and I smoked about half of it. And that was it. And then the rest of the J was on the table. And I'm going to leave it there. But then I looked at it and I said, wait a second, there's a half a joint left over with a, a lighter so conveniently next to it? My kids could find this in the morning and want, either wonder what it is Or worse yet, they can pick it up and try to smoke it. So what I did as a responsible parent is I smoked the second half of the joint. Because I don't want my kids to get the drugs. So I did the drugs. Now, you're saying, ha, shmuel, that's funny. You could have just taken that and hid it in the barbecue where you keep... Your drugs, typically. The answer is that the kids can find it in the barbecue. So I don't wanna take any chances. And uh, that's, my, uh, that's my definition of conscientious parenting. Just being very aware and thinking five steps ahead and taking a couple, a couple of puffs for the team. Wanna talk now about a huge crisis f- facing the Jewish community, and that is faking. I had faken a couple of weeks ago. that's fake bacon. Get it? Fake bacon, faken. Let me tell you something. I tasted this. There was a fegen going on in my mouth, and that this is this is the fake stuff. It's not even real stuff. If the faken is ten percent as good as real bacon, this is a, a crisis that we have on our hands right now because one, there could be Orthodox Jews that find out, about faking and go, wow, this is the fake thing, how good is the real thing? So I think this is a big issue because in the past I would just walk through the airport and I would smell the bacon, but now I tasted fakin'. So I'm like, wow, this is serious stuff. So that's the other thing. Another thing is, is that I think that in all fairness, when people are looking to convert to Judaism, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, somebody ought to be there and just say, hey, listen, we know you think you're re- making the right decision, but did you taste bacon? Because bacon is better than fakin. And what you're going to be doing is you're not allowed to have any of the bacon anymore, just the fakin. So if you're a rabbi and you're doing conversions, right before it's go time, I would break up faken or bacon and just say, are you sure? Like, are you absolutely, absolutely sure? Here we have some fake in my desk. Taste a little bit. Tell us you're still determined in moving forward. Otherwise, let's just call it a day. There are some advantages of being an Orthodox Joe. We're going to talk about one of them today, and that is... As an Orthodox Jew, we are not intimidated by food inflation. That's because the price for kosher food has always been inflated. So this is something that we've been dealing with since food was invented. Like, even if a box of cereal is eight dollars and there's an an ad for how to do hot solo CPR on the back of it. We're used to this. This is kind of how we roll. Everything is expensive. A tub of cheesecake, not a t- tub of cheesecake, a tub of cream cheese or cheese yogurts, lemons, these are all high end items that they typically keep in a safe in a grocery store a kosher one if you want to buy it. So I'm not saying, hey, hey, you ought to become an Orthodox jew so you're not intimidated by high grocery costs. I'm just saying is that we have it. Now, for those who are not familiar with kosher food and and inflated pricing, why is it that kosher food is so excited? It was so expensive, not so excited. Kosher food, I don't think, is more excited than regular food. Why is it that kosher food is more expensive than regular food? It's very simple, because you have to get kosher animals, right? So... The You have to get a cow that's kosher. The cow, right, in addition to be now being a, a Jewish cow, it's walking around with yarmulke. It's walking around with a parrot of tzitzis, right? If it's a very smart cow, it's going to go to law school. It, it will be a doctor. Uh, the cow itself is eating kosher food. And so the lifestyle that a Jewish cow has to have until it gets slaughtered, that it can now be eaten by Jews, is a very expensive lifestyle. And it just figures into the cost and it gets added to, to the bottom line. Then I want to talk to you a little bit about billboards on the highway, those type of billboards. And I wanted to talk to you about two particular Things that I noticed. The first thing is that I was in my car or minivan, which, by the way, I am getting a sticker for my minivan, which says it's a bumper sticker, and it will say, "My other car is also a minivan." And that's what happens if you have too many vans. I actually don't have too many vans, but. I want to give people the impression that I am a double minivan holder. That brings you up a notch. So I'm cruising on the highway and I'm listening to Miley Cyrus. I hopped off the plane at LAX. I'm not going to sing it for you because it's not going to sound good. I'm just living the American dream. I hopped off the plane at LAX. Okay, I did a little bit. So... I'm just enjoying it. Like, I'm all American. And just on the highway, I'm just going to forget about inflated kosher food pricing and and tuition and everything else that is typically stressing me out as a Jew. And then I see a wonderful billboard that says, Does your church have armed guards? Well, our synagogue does and there's an ad for uh, an organization called Jubalong so basically I'm chilling on the highway and now I have to see this billboard and that will give me severe anxiety on the road and I'm still singing along to the Miley Cyrus song now but now I'm, I'm blubbering in tears and so what I think because I, I I understand the idea. I guess there's awareness around antisemitism and violence against Jewish people, but at the same time, you don't want a Jew who's just minding his own business. You you don't want somebody to a Jew to to drive off the road if he gets triggered from seeing such a billboard. And so, what what I recommend that they do is five miles before that you can have like another billboard that says, hey, you sensitive Jew, in five miles from now, there's gonna be a billboard that might trigger you. So maybe for the next five miles, drive with your eyes closed and be safe. You hear hear us? And that way you can avoid looking at that billboard. Another billboard that I noticed while driving The billboard says, this is a sign that you should not drive high. Very clever. I get the idea this is a sign because it is a sign. It's a billboard. That's a sign. Again, I understand the utility. It's about telling people it is not safe to drive in a state of impairment. Completely understood. However, if somebody is actually driving high and then they see that billboard and they read it, don't you think it's going to make them even more paranoid and potentially get into a car accident? It's like, whoa, this is a sign. Uh, uh, uh." So again, the people who are putting up these billboards You have to be very careful just to make sure that people who are going to be reading the sign don't get negatively impacted now i want to leave off with two final thoughts first thing is have you ever been on the phone with somebody and you're talking to them and they are completely doing something else. Multitasking, reading on their phone, or it happens in reverse, where they're talking to you, but you are completely checked out. And whoever is the one that is checked out is going, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh. That's not that bad. But what's been happening lately is where I'm on a call with somebody, and both parties, at some point are multitasking and are browsing the web or doing something else. So at that point, you just have two people on the phone doing their own thing, just kind of breathing heavily or lightly, and the call is like, yeah, yeah, uh, you, Yeah, you, uh, <coughs> him, I, You, Uh, so I'm curious if anybody's experienced that. The last thing I'll just leave off with is the most overused term by the media in the last couple of years that I can recall is the word unprecedented, COVID-unprecedented. Ukraine, Russia, unprecedented. Baby shortage, not baby shortage. There's a lot of babies. Baby formula shortage, unprecedented. Sky high gas prices all over the place for this amount of time, unprecedented. Unprecedented just means it didn't happen before. Anything that's happening right now by definition is unprecedented. So I don't get the big deal from the word unprecedented because any new thing that happens is unprecedented. You get what I'm saying? I can't believe it. This is unprecedented. It never happened. Of course it never happened because it's happening right now. So everything that happens is unprecedented. Thank you very much. We will see you soon. Perhaps we will do a Before Shavuos podcast.